for a church Sunday before she came. I was like, you know, it just don't feel like your week's complete. Uh, you, uh, it's just like a piece of you missing. Uh, but I've had this on my heart for a while and uh, been studying. Y'all pray. I just, I just want the Lord to be glorified in anything that I say or, or do or whatever. And it just somebody can see the glory of the Lord. Uh, if y'all will turn to Samuel, First Samuel four. Uh, I started studying Samuel a few weeks ago. I told uh, out of Second Samuel on the uh, prophet Nathan and him confronting David. Uh, so I just went back and just started at First Samuel and started reading and studying a little bit on all of it. Uh, but this here in uh, Chapter 4 just kind of caught my interest and uh, read some commentaries, listened to some messages on it. And, uh, you know, I ain't no teacher, I ain't, I ain't nothing, but uh, I found some bread and I just want to share it with y'all. Uh, something that blessed me and, and I hope it blesses y'all as well. <clears throat> we'll start at verse 1. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel and when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines. And they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch, of the, fetch the Ark of Covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the, land, the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelt between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all of Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the, into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath not been such a thing herefore too, or heretofore, sorry. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews, as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought, and Israel was smitten, and they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter, for there fell of Israel 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. I don't think that's as far as we won't go right now. Uh, but we'll go back up verse 1 and, and uh, the first few words there, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Now, this is the last time you'll see if you've read... Uh, the first few chapters, it tells how Samuel came about. 
but that first phrase there in the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. Um, you're going to see a lot of divine providence right here. But for just a little while, I don't think Samuel comes back into the picture till we get to about 7 or 8, chapter 7 or 8. But uh, as we go through this, I want you to see the divine hand of God and everything that he brought about through Eli and his two sons. Uh, if you've read prior to chapter 4, you meet Eli, which was a judge he judged for 40 years. It talks about his sons and how Eli never corrected them. Eli never set them straight. And God promised judgment on Eli for it. So it was things destined to ha- that were destined to happen. And uh, while you see Samuel kind of disappear from the scene for right now, and you see everything kind of turn to Eli and his two sons in chapter 4, it's just the divine hand of God, how he paved the way to bring about this new prophet Samuel. You know, when you get to chapter 8, after they've had the prophet of Samuel, Samuel's sons hadn't obeyed, then then Israel's crying for a king. That's another whole day. <laughs> but what I want you to think about tonight is, is so the Philistines beat up on Israel here in, uh, in verse 2. And the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. They smitten 4,000 men. And when the people were coming to the camp of the elders, I want you to think about this, how uh, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Uh, how biblical and, and godly leadership matters, just as like with Eli, biblical and godly parenthood matters. But uh, but you think about the elders start to question why is the Lord spitting us? I mean, Israel wasn't accustomed to losing battles, not at this point. You know, they didn't lose much, because, but they, they realized, and by saying what they said here, and the elders saying this, they realized that God was sovereign over their defeat or their victory. But the problem here in chapter 4 is, is where they put their faith this time. It wasn't in God. So you come on down to verse 3. And when the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us that when there's the word it go get the ark when it cometh among us it may save us out of the hand of our enemies like I said they weren't used to losing but they lost Uh, every bit of this is coming about because of disobedience to God uh that kind of filters down from the elders and then it gets to Eli. So the people sent to Shiloh that they may bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts between the cherubims and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the ark. Now we know what, from the previous chapters, what type of people Hophni and Phinehas were. Said so they were miserable. They were sons of Belial. They, were, they knew not God. They respected not God. So when you see the elders ask about it, then it kind of filters down to Eli, then it filters down to Hophni and Phinehas, and then the people. Because Hophni and Phinehas bring the 
bring the ark into the to the camp there just outside of uh, Ebenezer, and the people shout. So they've kind of lost their way, and, and they're not really thinking about their faith. Uh, but think about what the Philistines said here. They were afraid. They had some reverence for God. Now you think when, when the Philistines start talking amongst themselves, they go back to the God that delivered Israel out of the hands of Egypt. Well, that was before the ark was ever even built. So they had more respect for God, not knowingly, but had more respect for God than Israel did. Israel was respecting this, the ark, the box. And they said, Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians of all the plagues in the wilderness. So they kind of build yourself up, be strong, quit yourselves. So they fear God. Just as Israel didn't fear God and obey. Why didn't they cry out to God? You know, they've been disobedient thus far. Why didn't they cry out to God? Why didn't they pray? Why didn't they repent? They were putting their trust and their faith in the ark. So at the end of the battle, 30,000 people died. Hophni and Phinehas are dead, and the ark was taken. Something I want you to think about is, why is this story from about, I guess, around 1050 B.C.? Why is it relevant to us today, where are we putting our faith? What is our perception of God? Uh, you know, there's a lot of people in the world today, especially in this country, they say they believe in God. But they only call on Him when they need Him. Just like they did the ark. Their faith is not in the God of the Bible. Uh, they, they look at God as the lucky charm, genie in the bottle, something just to help them in time of trouble. There's no obedience. Just as these people, there was no obedience. So I, I believe our perception of God matters. You know, you, you see a lot of people out here say they're Christian. They know God. But they've created their own God in their own mind. A God that allows them to do and go and come and whatever they please. But that's not the God of the Bible. And that God is just another false God. No different than what the Philistines worship in Dagon. Where is our trust and faith? You know, is it in our profession? Because just our profession, and, and Lord knows, I, don't, I ain't cast no stones, but there's so many people that come to an old-fashioned altar and make a profession and get up and walk away. Somebody tells them, hey, you saved. You can't lose it. You can't. You're good. But there's no conversion in their heart. There's no new spirit. There's no fruit. There's no works of righteousness. There's no, not even love, there's, and there's absolutely no obedience. You know, some people, some denominations believe it's in baptism. You know, okay, you made a fashion, but we've got to get you in the water, and okay, as long as you're in the water, you're good now. 
It ain't in baptism. It's not in our church attendance. It's not in our tithe. There's a lot of people that occupy a church pew. I think that, you know, Preacher Bill's preached on it, Lamont, Butch, TJ, Justin, you know, Matthew 7. That's the same thing that, that, that Jesus was saying there. You know, uh, it may not be that we cast out devils, we done, but we, we can say we've done many wondrous works, and he's going to say, depart from me. Because our faith was in what we'd done ourselves. Bible says, if you love me, or Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But this ain't necessarily a means of acceptance, but evidence of being made accepted. What God has done for us, not what we're doing. Our faith can't be in what we're doing. You know, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's not me. It's not my righteousness. It's not my works. It's nothing that, that I can do. Nothing that I can say. But, uh, you know, these little trinkets and, and things that, that we lean on in our life, that we turn to, not doing us any good. Uh, it's kind of the rabbit foot mentality. You know, I was a kid once, I had a rabbit foot. You know, you go to the store and you buy a rabbit foot. <laughs> but you know, it's just a rat, not a rabbit foot. It's got to be, if you research it, I think it's got to be a foot from a rabbit that's been killed. But not been killed, just killed. It's been killed in the cemetery. It has to be the left hind foot of the rabbit that's been killed in the, in the cemetery. <laughs> now, I don't believe in luck, but if I did, I wouldn't think it's very lucky to get killed in a cemetery and lose your left hind foot. <laughs> but we as people, we, we lean on those things. You know, I mean, lucky numbers, lucky hat, lucky shirt. I go deer hunting. Go, I, I've done it. I've got a hat. I kill a big buck with that on. I'm going to wear it. And we lean to those things. You know, and God's blessing ain't in none of that. Especially when it comes to our salvation. Especially when it comes to the hard times in our life. You know, it falls back on our obedience. And Butch has been teaching on Romans 8. And, and that's what it's all about, you know. All things work to the, together for the good of them that love the Lord. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. But our love requires... That's to keep those commandments. Our love requires that obedience. And if we're converted, if, if the Spirit lives within us, it's, it's going to be there, and that's what it'll be. Or that's what we'll do. That's what we'll be because He lives within us, and that's the only way. The only thing that we, the only hope that we have to cling to. But uh, like I said, the Lord just kind of put this on my heart. And uh, I read one of the commentaries, and... Uh, from Matthew Henry, and I know I've heard Butch preach Bill, you know, several of us talk about Matthew Henry and, and his uh, commentaries and stuff. And I hope I can quote this right, but it, it, meant, it meant so much. Uh, it just kind of struck me when I sat and thought about it. But the quote was, Let none then shelter themselves from the wrath of God under the cloak of a visible profession. For those will be, there will be those cast into the outer darkness 
that have eaten and drank in the presence of Christ. That means a lot. What did, he say? what did Jesus say? He said, I'm going to sit down here and I'm going to eat with y'all and wash feet and drink. One of you is the devil. We've got to cling to him. Our hope, our faith, our obedience, everything is in Jesus Christ. It's nothing that we can do. I hope y'all can get something out of that. I know it wasn't long, uh, but... Uh, but it blessed my heart, and, and I hope it blessed someone else here. I love y'all. I truly do. It was, it was judgment, and uh, when you go back, like I said, Lord said He was, or God said He was going to do it. He told him what was going to happen. Uh, but so so amazing when you go through those scriptures uh, through Samuel. And I